this episode particularly, we have Dr. Chad Kirksick. You can give a little background around you too, because I do have some new people in the Facebook group. There will be new people listening on the podcast. And hopefully we'll have you as somewhat of a regular as you have been. Um, so we'll get to who you are and then I'll talk about what we're going to cover today. So how about a little introduction for those who Absolutely. have never met you? Yeah. So um, my name is, is Chad Kirksick. I, uh, I work at a university in uh, St. Charles, Missouri, a suburb of St. Louis called the Newman University. So I, um, I teach and do research in the exercise science program. I've been pretty heavily involved in exercise and nutrition in terms of research uh, for the last 20 years or so. So I do a lot of stuff with sport nutrition, body composition, weight loss. Those are kind of my my my, my big areas of, of interest. And I've gotten to know Kendra through, uh, through some mutual friends. And I just try to pop into these calls whenever we can to, to talk. Um, and I think probably try to provide a, a, a scientific perspective to some of the questions and answers, but then also... I certainly try to provide some perspective uh, where it's needed, and, uh, and a lot of times we try to do it to just to clear up any any uh, areas of, of um, confusion or, or um, you know, other aspects where people maybe not not quite sure what to do. Awesome, yeah. I mean, I think the especially now with uh, all the information available on social media, it is important to have the backing of um, you know a scientific approach. That's for me anyway, I think it always kind of, uh, it's like the icing on the cake for people. It's not just what I think or what I see or a theory I have or you have. It's, these are things that we know that are critical. And in the case of this particular talk for fat loss specifically. And so I think we're gonna get into the three main pillars of fat loss and then also adding some color around those with the understanding that we have like real people listening. And I have a lot of experience with clients and coaching people on the behavior side. And, um, you know, I know that's part of what you coach and educate to in your classroom, right? Like how do we apply this to real life? And so the idea here is to do that today to, to bring what you get out of your lab and into how do we apply this to, to the everyday person trying to, you know, improve body composition, which is what 100% of people listening are interested in, you know? So, okay. So let's talk about the difference between fat loss and weight loss and why that's important. Right. So, um, you know, when we're talking about weight loss, right, that, that, that's is, um, just to be very straightforward, right. Get, you know, the bathroom scale, jump on your scale and, and watching that number go down. Um, and when that numbers goes down, that could be, uh, different types of clothing that you're wearing. That could be, um, different amounts of food or fluid that's inside your, inside your, your, your stomach. Um, that could be just more fluid in your body because you, um, you know, maybe you, you, you have, or haven't worked out. It could be more muscle, more bone, less bone, more fat, less fat. So it could be a number of things. It's just truly weight. Now, fat loss, though, is, is where it gets it locked in a little bit more on where we're literally, we, we, we can, can rule out uh, different approaches and we're really just looking at decreases in, in uh, uh, fat mass or, or kind of fat amounts. Because I think a lot of times when people get on the scale and they're interested in losing weight, they're, I would argue they're, they're really interested in losing fat. Like you don't, 
yeah, yeah. You know, no, nobody should ever really want to get on the scale and be uh, and and or be happy with losing weight and finding and and knowing that uh, some of that weight was bone and some of that weight was muscle. Like we need to we need to hold on to those tissues as long and deep into our lives as we can for healthy aging related reasons. Um, as well as just being able to function and do some different types of things. So I would, I would really make the argument around here that, that, um, you know, everybody should really try to be focused on carrying around as much, as much lean tissue or fat-free tissue, Just typically the majority is muscle, um, just, you know, basically carrying around as much of, as much of that as possible. Uh, so, so that, yeah, so that's how I would describe the differences between, I think, weight loss and fat loss. And, and I mean, I think when I'm talking with a client, we're kind of using them one and the same, but you can see where, when somebody is in their fitness journey, where that kind of, I I guess for better lack of better term, like that obsession with the scale going down and only going down, it it gets in there, which is just, that's just old habit. So we're Mm going to try to get people to understand today too. It's not all about the scale, but can we agree there is a relationship on the scale, like weight loss, fat loss, right? Like there's a relationship for sure. So if I have somebody who needs to lose 40 pounds to get into a healthy BMI and the scale isn't going down for four weeks, we can't just be like, well, that's okay. Cause the scale doesn't matter. Like the scale is an important metric in a fat loss journey. It is. I think it, it, it has a role. Uh, I think in, in a number, in, in a number of areas, number one, like it's relatively unique. So like is, is just looking at, at it across large groups of people. Um, it's, it, it, it's, you know, having a scale is very affordable. So it's very accessible. Like it's reasonable to think that somebody, nearly everybody in their home is going to have some type of a scale or, you know, many different places you will go there, you know, there, you know, there certainly could be a body weight scale. So I think from that aspect, it's, it's, it, you know, it definitely has a place because if you're looking at trying to monitor changes regularly, uh, just jump on the scale is really pretty easy. Whereas admittedly, some of the body composition techniques are a little bit, they're a little, usually a little bit more complicated, a little bit more involved. And, and as a result, um, you know, they might be a little bit harder for people to, to access. So I, in terms of a relationship, Kendra, one of the things I was, I was going to share, you know, from, from, you know, traditional weight loss studies in the scientific literature, when we, when we look at somebody who loses weight, uh, usually about three quarters of that weight that they lose about 75, about 75% of the weight that they lose is from fat. And about 25% of that weight is from fat free tissue or lean tissue. Um, and that's through your traditional approaches of, um, you know, restricting energy intake yeah. uh, through various means within your diet. And then uh, likely also combining that with some increase in um, um, how many calories somebody's burning. So if we want to look at a relationship, there's, there's definitely a relationship there. I mean, there's really pretty strong correlations between fat loss and weight loss, but it's not the same thing. Not the same thing, but correlation. So I think that's important too, because I think somewhere, you know, sometimes I'll watch people sort of say, well, the scale doesn't really matter. But when you are far outside of a healthy body composition range, it, it, it does play a role. So don't ignore it. Like maybe I'm still losing body fat. Like you should see the scale go down as part of your output of your, of your work. Like that is important. And I, I think a really, like a really critical question to ask 
for somebody to ask, which you could you see in formulating it this way, would simply to be like, why does it matter if I lose muscle tissue? If I'm not worried about having muscles. Why does it matter if I lose muscle? Why should I don't I don't care about it? I just I want to be small. I want to be skinny. Why do I? Yeah, right. That's why a should good I, point. Why should right. I care? Right. And the reason why you should care is because our our muscle tissue is also one of our strongest predictors of how many calories we burn day in and day out. So now, what does that mean? You know, what calories? You know, how many calories we burn? Um, well, we know with weight loss, right? If we're going to to lose weight, you know, generally speaking, we need to, we need to consume less calories than what we burn across the day. So, so the more muscle that we have, the, the higher our metabolic rate is maintained. You could look at it one of two ways: the more calories you can eat and not gain weight, the less you have to cut your calories to see a mean a meaningful change within weight loss because you know so so we want to support our metabolism that's really what that means and we can really we really support our metabolism by having as much muscle or lean tissue as possible other reasons include you know muscle many times not always but in a lot of people you know having having adequate amounts of muscle is is very strongly related to just having good daily function being able to carry boxes up and down stairs, doing performing functional tasks that probably doesn't really resonate much with somebody who's 25, 30, 30, you know, 35 years of age, but you know, you get up into, you know, your mid, mid, mid fifties, sixties, you know, and, and things are a little bit harder to do that, that could certainly make a bit of a difference. So, you know, having, you know, good amounts of a very high functioning muscle just allows you to do things, you know, do the things that you want to do and do them with a little bit more ease. And I think that's, that, that helps promote more activity. It also keeps you, keeps you independent. You know, there's a, there's a number of different reasons as well. So I think those are really the, the couple of the biggest things that I think about why people should really be concerned about muscle. I think one of the biggest things, you know, that I, I always have to highlight is, you know, when we talk about carrying around as much muscle as you can. Sadly, you know, many people flip all the way over to this extreme picture in their head, <laughs> you know, that they're, they're, they're this hyper muscled individual, you know, with that just, you know, they have muscle packed on top of muscle packed on top of muscle. And they think, well, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want that. I don't, I don't want to be that way. And no, don't that's worry. Not what we're, you know, <laughs> don't like, worry. That's not what we're talking about. You know, we're, we're talking about just making sure that you're, that you're, you know, that you, that you're carrying around as much muscle, you know, just as you reasonably can um, without, you know, taking any number of additional steps to get there. And then we always like to remind people, you know, like those people oftentimes are, are exercising with extremely high volumes, extremely high amounts. And, and it takes, you know, several months to years, several years to, to, to develop a physique that's that, that way. And there's some other hormonal related reasons that, that oftentimes web their way into that conversation too. So, so I think it's, you know, bottom line, it's extremely important, you know, to, for nearly, I, I would argue every person who hears this call and every person who hears this call, who they, who, who they would talk to, uh, basically everyone that we, we, we need to, we need to try to strive and hold on to as much muscle as we possibly can. I think too, the, the thing about our demographic is it doesn't sure, like it doesn't, you're not thinking about that at 30, you're thinking about 
maybe the way you look and the way, but as our parents age and we can kind of see um, that you can become, as you age, because of your life choices, you can become totally dependent. I mean, I'm not talking about tragedy, illness. I'm talking about lifestyle can cut your life short. And also, and that's diet and exercise. We've seen that in our age, we see our parents starting to decline and that should be real motivation for a lot of us to say like, I wanna live independently. I would like to go up and downstairs myself. And this is a real thing that we need to work on now. It seems so far in the future, doesn't it? But it's- Yeah, it, but but life is, not, is, is yeah. awful that way, right? Because right. one week goes faster than the next and then it's one month and or no, it's six months. And then, right. you know, before we know it, your, your son's gonna be out of ranger school and five years in, you know what I mean? Yeah. And sadly, right? That's just kind of how it works and, yeah. you know, so, um, you know, so that those good, are all, yeah, I mean, thanks for pulling us back to 20,000 feet. Cause I think that's, that is so important to remember. I think you covered everyone, everyone listening and then everyone that they know mm-hmm. and then <laughs> keep going. Well, I mean, if, yeah, they, what's the old saying, right. We're basically like two contacts removed from every person in the world. Yeah. So, right. Right. But, you know, I, I, and I, and I really do, you know, I think this, this conversation could very much be you know the power of resistance training you know as well if we could have a absolutely have a conversation about that and uh and there's a definitely a, a a critical part of weight training within losing fat which we'll get to but i think more importantly the thing that i really wanted to, I, the people i'm really trying to speak to are the people that maybe don't have a full appreciation of why it's important to have as much muscle as possible um because i think there's there's people probably more women than men um, that, that they just think, you know, well, I don't really care about muscle. I just, I, I, I don't, but you do, you, you really, 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 really do. You just may not know it. And if I have to be the first one to tell you, then so be it. But, but it's just, but you really do care about how much muscle you have because it will affect, um, uh, not only, you know, um, uh, metabolic related reasons, we could get into illnesses and injuries and infections and, and, um, you know, but then also just overall functionality. So we definitely need to do things to help to hold on to our muscle tissue um, because when we diet, if we move, if we kind of make that transition into the dieting discussion, you know, when I say diet, I'm talking about energy restriction, you know, when we're, when we're cutting calories, um, you know, that to, to achieve weight loss or to, um, you know, as I said, there's, you know, studies tell us that about you know, three quarters of the weight that we lose is fat. About a quarter of it is, 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 is fat-free tissue. So really what we need to try to do is we need to, there's been a lot of interest in how do we change those percentages? Mm-hmm. How do we change that percentage to where we're losing 85% fat and 15% muscle and 90% fat, 10% muscle or a hundred percent fat and no muscle or what we've even talked about, how do we lose fat and actually gain muscle? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, that is, you know, that talk that we did about that whole kind of body recomposition, which is obviously a popular term right now, which we will get to at some point, but that sweet spot of building muscle, losing body fat at the same time is everybody wants that. Um, 
And there's and a reality I, to that too, isn't there? Yeah, there is. And I was yeah. just, I was going to kind of get out in front of that as well, yeah, because I think, you know, with, for, for many people, if you, if you truly would like, you know, um, cause again, if we're, if we're, if we're losing more fat than, than muscle, or if we're able to create a scenario where we're hardly losing any muscle at all, you know, you're, first of all, your, your body weight's going to go down. I mean, you know, basically the, the weight on the scale is going to go down. Um, your clothes are going to feel way, way better. Things are just going to fit better, you know, so there's, you'll, you'll notice a lot of the, the changes. Um, but the thing is when we talk about really flipping this percentage from into the 90% fat loss to 10% fat pre-loss or a hundred percent fat loss and no, you know, basically no loss of fat free tissue. The thing that everybody has to understand is, and I think the most important thing is, um, that does not happen quickly. Like you, there's yeah. no magical solution. There's no trick. There's no supplement. There's no diet. There's nothing. That there's no be, coach. There's no yeah. coaching process. Secret That's true. Coaching there's, process. So there's, there's literally, and the key thing that people, for people to hear me, there's, there's that, that to lose nearly exclusively fat. It, there, it, it simply cannot happen quickly. So if you're going to yeah. walk into a scenario and hire a coach or go to a gym or do whatever you want to do to get ready to get started, and you're going to tell yourself that in eight weeks, I'm going to lose nothing but 10 pounds of fat, it's not going to happen. Like, it's just, it's not going to happen. You know, like you, you have to stretch the time periods out, you know. Um, it's relatively easy to lose weight very, very quickly to lose weight, to lose, to, just to lose anything, you know, I mean, so it, it's relatively easy to make the scale, the number on the scale go down relatively quickly. But the thing that everybody has to understand is that with that speed, the quicker you peel the weight off, the more, the greater the percentage of the weight that's being lost is muscle. And that's very bad. That is not what we want. That's not what we want to do. Um, and again, there, I know there's going to be people that say, well, that sounds pretty darn good to me to be able to lose X amount of weight really quickly in X amount of time. And I'm telling you, it's, a, it, it, it's, it's not what you want for yourself long-term. Right, because um, we could say, because we could, circling back to what you said before, uh, with extreme quick weight loss, what comes with that? Like, what are the, the health actual, cause you know, we said you don't want it fast because you want to preserve muscle. And I have, I have some great cases where I have people that have finally learned the slower, the better, but what is the real risk of me atrophying and losing that, that muscle mass? Yeah, I, I think, so I can take it from my so Kendra, remember these for me, because once I start getting down these tangents, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to summarize, but I'm I think gonna... one, one of those angles to that answer is going to be metabolic. Uh, another angle to that answer is going to be hormonal. Um, and then another angle to that is going, um, to be a, a, about just like function, like, you know, just overall function of, of yeah. the tissue. So if we look at the metabolic side of it, you know, our, our body regulates our metabolism to largely meet the daily needs that it, that it has to face, you know, and when we diet and we pull a bunch of calories out of what we would normally consume, our body will regulate our metabolic rate, you know, so there will be some slight, you know, just some increases or decreases in how many calories that we burn. In addition to that, 
you know, when we don't have a lot of energy because we haven't been eating as much, you know, well then, you know, we made, we may decide to not work out or we may decide to not go on a walk with our dog or as long of a walk with our dog or neighbor. We might, if there's some yard tasks, there's things around the house that require a little bit of physical activity. If we're low on, we just decide, you know, I don't want to do it. I don't, I don't feel like doing it. So, so now our body's downregulated, right? And now we're not even burning as many calories because we just don't feel like moving as much. You know, if you do decide to get to the gym, you're there, you know, I will argue, you know, I, I mean, a workout is almost always better than no workout. So that's, that's a win that you got there. You should celebrate that win. But, you know, a lot of times when we're, you know, when we're, when we're, when we are restricted in energy, we might be a little bit apathetic towards our workout, you know, so maybe we don't work out as hard. We drop a set, we don't, you know, and so, and all those things day in and day out just add up. So there's a metabolic aspect where our body literally is kind of protecting itself in the sense that if there's not a whole lot of energy coming in, then the body kind of creates this environment where there's just not as much energy going out. All right. Cause be frank, if we run out of energy, we're going to die, you know, and the body works to preserve against that. Now, hormonally, you know, when we look at this scenario, there's a, there's a few hormones that will really start to get affected with weight, with weight restriction, energy restriction really is what we're talking with cutting calories, pulling all the calories out of the diet. Um, some of, and I think of, you know, so like, um, uh, the thyroid hormones are, are major, major players within that, you know, with long-term energy restriction, you know, thyroid metabolism, um, in, in some people can, you know, it, 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 it can get downregulated. So it's literally, it's, it's a hormonal response where, and it's, it's triggering that, 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 that response we've already discussed that is slowing down our metabolic rate. Um, so, you know, as results, we end up burning less calories. And then there's also hormonally, there's some suggestion and I'm not as, as good of a, not as well versed on, on all of the different aspects of this, but we have other hormones, things like leptin and ghrelin, um, yeah. adiponectin are, these are all hormones that are, that are, our brain interacts with our stomach, uh, in terms of how much food is being delivered and it, and it, and it's basically sends signals throughout our body to tell us if we're hungry, tell us if we need to eat. Uh, and, and so forth and that the, the body's ability to kind of regulate those things, you know, gets a little bit kind of thrown off kilter, uh, when we're, when we're, when we're kind of in a, in a, in a severe energy state. Um, and, you know, just to add some color to that, and, uh, I can speak to both of those right through the body. If you take the bodybuilding competition as the most extreme example, which I did also to just test that process and see what that felt like. I did blood work before, blood work after. I guess I would describe it as I tanked my thyroid. And what came with that was some hair loss, definite apathy, and a, probably some mild depression. And luckily, I was aware of what I was doing. And I knew that this wasn't like my life forever. But it was like all of the symptoms of extreme restriction Um happen to me and I've seen them happen to people I work with over the, over time. And I don't think we can, I don't think we can ignore the idea of what it feels like as a person to be walking around with a slower metabolism and hormones that are impacted by our own restriction. Like it's, it, there's some psychological impact there to people that I don't think they realize being in that cycle. Um, so 
that's the real life application to me of these things that you're talking about too, that happen to us scientifically, like as people, these are hard to overcome, you know? Agreed. Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, like your, your case is so unique in the sense that you um, um, were well aware of kind of what you're getting yourself into. You, yeah, it was know, like a I, case I, study uh, on purpose. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so I think that, you know, those are, you know, I think really kind of some of the, the biggest things that I think about in terms of kind of what happens, you know, with, with, with weight, because we've already talked about, you know, basically, you know, the different tissue changes or the, you know, the overall structure changes, you know, but we will with energy restriction pivot over to, you know, there's, believe it or not, many different groups of, of highly competitive athletes that have, that have problems with eating and very terrible relationships with food and they're chronically underfueled. Uh, yet they're they're running lots of miles or they're training for certain types of things very you know quite a bit uh, and they, they end up you know kind of dealing with the same things um, you know that you mentioned as well too so I think that you know just you know so those are it doesn't it's not just something for you know like an overweight obese population it, it can really underfueling can impact a number of different kind of a right. number of different groups so because right. i you know when we get chronically underfueled from a tissue perspective right everybody's wanting fat loss and if they you know maybe they're trying to preserve preserve their muscle or not but if you you drive deep 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 into some caloric deficits you know it, i mean it can it can affect vitamin d metabolism calcium metabolism it can affect iron metabolism Right. Which, which spills over into just other, other aspects of your, of your health and your vitality. Is that really, is that, do you think that falls into the function category of the three metabolism? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. I mean, function is a little bit broad, but it's just, you know, um, yeah, I think those are the, the big things that I think about in terms of what, what happens when we're, when we're kind of going, kind of going through some weight loss as a whole. Okay. So to, to kind of summarize where we are, we talk, we have talked about the importance of building muscle and the benefits of that. And then this was the flip side, kind of the risk. Like when you right. think about, I want to lose weight fast. You don't, you know, you, you really don't. Um, and one of the ways I see that manifest itself is somebody who's got a wedding coming up and they've kind of been slacking off and now they're in emergency to lose weight rapidly. Uh, not to mention when you lose weight rapidly, uh, your body is ripe for gaining fat the moment you go back to those horrible habits that you didn't ever work on because you know how to diet, right? You eat salad and chicken. That's what every, you know, everyone goes to like salad and chicken and stay away from fruit because it's carbohydrates. So we are micronutrient deficient. We are macronutrient deficient. And then you are ripe for weight gain and fat gain after that is over if you aren't working with a coach. So you you do not... Like even right now, I think if you want to lose, if you want to have your best physique in January of 2024, like let's start now. Mm -hmm. Like we're not getting Agreed. like summer body is over. Like we're back. We have th that ship has sailed. You can feel better and we could make a lot of progress in a couple months. But like that was supposed to start last last summer. You know? mm -hmm. Um, yeah, right. And, you know, and I mean, there's, and, and that's, that's a pretty harsh reality for people. I know, you know I know. because, you yeah. know, a lot of times, you know, we'll wait and, um, and then it, it just takes a while to get going and maybe you need a couple, a while, yeah. couple, couple, couple attempts at it. Um, you know, so those are, you know, like I said, those are the things that, that people really kind of have to accept. 
um, that I don't think people really, you know, because there's, I mean, sadly, right, there's, there's, um, there's a, a no shortage of, of fitness coaches or personal trainers, right, that, that tout their, their acumen um, or their ability to help somebody lose weight and to do it quickly. Right. You, you know, um, right. and that's, that's, that's relatively unfortunate, you know? So, I mean, we've got, you know, we, we, there's a physicians group here in St. Louis that runs ads about, you know, the secret to losing weight within a month or within, you know, and I'm just like, I, I don't, uh, there's so many times I think about calling them and just asking questions and just seeing what they're going to talk about. And then, then I would probably just end up getting disgusted. So, right. um, it, but I mean- yeah, like if you're if you're watching like Mike's six hundred pound life and somebody's morbidly obese, uh, perhaps that's that's a different population, right? Yeah. Well, the thing that I always think about, you know, so uh, you know, we don't we don't we don't see the Biggest Loser anymore as a show, but that that's was very right. popular for a while, um, you know, and and it's funny, it's not funny, but it's just you know, like the. Um, you know, it's no surprise that the show stopped being aired when when data started to appear that the people that were on the show, basically their rate of weight regain was as great or worse than the general population. So, see, that's the problem, right? Is the television, all they're doing is promoting the loss, which is which has the potential to be very, very positive and life-changing. But the way that the show was going about doing it, there was a general lack of of overall support and education, um, and you know the, the 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 necessary skills and knowledge to to keep that weight off, and right. but it wasn't really there. So, well, but, and, what, go but ahead. and I was going to say with like a you know a six hundred pound person or these extreme extreme cases where they're losing, you, you, you know, I, I mean, there's there's a week, you know, yeah, well, and, and see, there's a sense that people have to people have when you read that you you, you don't. You know, you don't ever want to be in that situation. Okay, number one, and then number two. So you don't, you should never fantasize it, and especially fantasize the weight loss because the weight loss here is literally to save their life. Exactly. It, it, you have to understand, like, there's a critical difference. The weight, it's the weight loss is literally to save their life, to give them a chance to have a birthday next year. Um, so you know, and that's a that's a huge difference, a huge conversation separator from what the majority of the conversations are that, that I, that, you know, that I'm envisioning, you know, that, you, you know, that, um, that you're having. So, and you know, the people that are listening. So I think that part, you have to understand that, you know, they're taking extreme approaches and those people have long roads to hoe as well. Now the other, so if we, so Kendra, another key part of what we need to talk about with this losing fat and gaining muscle or losing fat and maintaining muscle. We've definitely talked a lot, I think, about creating an energy deficit and being patient and doing it in a manner that, you know, you, you've got to be able to sustain that, you know, whatever level of, of caloric restriction uh, is there. And I think having somebody that you can work with day in and day out to help, you know, to be a sounding board and get you through the good or get you through the bad days and celebrate the good days. I think those those things are, are, are very, very important. What do we do to help make sure that when we're losing the weight, that as much of that weight is uh, fat as possible? And that's really where the other parts of the equation become, well, of the food that we are consuming, what are we consuming? So we- 
right? So, We've already talked a lot about, we have to cut our calories. We've got yep, to cut our so calories. We're gonna, we'll say the three pillars are resistance training, which we talked right. about. They are a caloric intake that allows you to be in a deficit, to be able to lose body fat, have your body use fat for fuel. But the critical pieces here, too low is not good, which we've talked about because you dip into that lean mass. We talked about how you're, when you lose weight, maybe 75% of it is fat, 25% of it is lean mass. How, so the idea here is how do we, how do we find a sweet spot where we are losing more fat than muscle and, you know, maintaining all those other three or two components of what it takes to lose body fat, right. which is protein resistance training, uh, right on top of the caloric. Yeah. And I, I think we need, to, so we need to talk a little bit more about protein and kind of throw out some amounts and some strategies on how to get yep. there. You know, we definitely, um, I think we, we, we talked a little bit around resistance training, but I, I do think it's important. I'll, I'll just spend, I, you know, just a couple of minutes. Cause I mean, resistance training in this respect is, you know, the, 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 the resistance training creates a message. It creates a signal inside your message to your brain to to um for, for 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 the body to hold on to as much muscle as possible to give it a reason to keep it around um as opposed to basically uh breaking that muscle down and using it for for energy or for other sources that that this hungry individual this hungry body might need. So the resistance training is, is a very critical piece. And there's been studies with, with energy restriction of people that have not followed any exercise program. There's been studies that have followed an energy restriction uh, and they've followed um, um, aerobic exercise. So more like walking or jogging or doing aerobics classes or elliptical machines, things along those lines that, you know, um, and when, when they've been studies that have been compared with energy restriction that, that have some form of resistance training included more often than not, the individuals in those studies will lose more fat and less muscle and they will lose less muscle. And that's a very favorable thing. That's exactly what we want to achieve. The thing that you always, you know, uh, so, so that's where resistance training does have a very powerful purpose. Um, and I think we mentioned that on our previous call, some people, so there's some people that don't really know resistance training that well. The great thing is here is like, you know, we're not talking about needing to train like a bodybuilder, right? We're, right. we're literally, we're talking about, I think minimally two days per week, three days per week would probably be better. I don't know if there's any evidence to support that. It just feels like a little bit more complete. Um, you know, so, you know, two, three days of just, you know, well-programmed, well-intended resistance training sessions. And what I mean by that is that, you know, if you have your certain exercise selected that you pick a weight that's going to be challenging. You're going to force those muscles to really, really have to work to get through the eight repetitions or 10 repetitions or, or however many repetitions you want to do. I don't, we don't really need to dive into, there's nothing in the evidence that says that you have to train at least five days a week, or that you have to train upper body three days a week, or you have to do this exercise, or you have to do six reps, or you have to do 10 reps. And I, so I, I and that for some people can create confusion. 
because they're just they're just like, well, that's all. Then just tell me what the hell I need to do, right? And a lot of times that's what people just want to know. And I think we've summarized it before. Of I think I would probably say three days per week have at least one exercise for every major muscle group: chest, back, shoulders, legs, and then pick a load where you can comfortably do eight repetitions, but you're not, you're pretty sure you can't get to 12. So you're going to not be able to do that movement somewhere between eight and 12 repetitions. And if you do that with that level of intention, good things are going to happen. I, I have so, a question. This is totally okay. So we're getting into, we do have, you and I have a lot of uh, guides here, which we'll end up having to do podcasts again, I'm sure on specific training protocols. But, and, and if you're watch if you're in my Facebook group, you can get that in a guide already. But my question to you is, so when I'm training, what's going through my mind is that I want to attack this particular set and I just want to get strong. It hits dopamine. It gives me adrenaline. I feel empowered. I've come alive. It is what I love. That is not everybody. Dr. Chad. So I, I trained with my parents in Florida a few weeks ago and it like the, actually the video did really well. My dad's 81, my mom's 75. She's pushing the weight. We're around planet fitness just doing this great little circuit. Like, by the way, that planet planet fitness is like a 30 minute you go. It literally has an exercise and it says one, then two, then three. And as a trainer, and I looked at it reviewed, this is perfect. Like that's all you need if you're starting. But what do you think somebody should be saying to themselves when number one, it doesn't like feel good. Number two, it's hard. Number three, they don't have any sense that it's like going to get them a physique they want. Like what, what should somebody be telling themselves when they're sitting there doing that, knowing I'm going to have to do this forever. And I should. You know, the, and I think that's you know a very saying? good question. Like, I, no, I do. And I think so people the first... are like, I don't like it. I'm not going, I'm not motivated. Right. I'm not going. And I'm like, well, it's important, but that like, honestly, that's not enough for people. That right. doesn't I, get them there. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I've always felt like I've got a pretty good answer for somebody who's like 65 and older. Okay. You know, and I would say, you know, so you can pick your grandkids up. If that, if that, that needs to be your motivation. So you can, you know, so you can, you, you know, you you can you can engage with them in the manner in which they want to engage with you, and you don't have to limit I, th that. Those types of things, I think, they always always resonate with me. Now, the twenty five to fifty year old, you know, or they kind of capture a different age demographic. Um, that's a little more challenging because, you know, it's like I, I realize I can't just sit and say, well, because it's good for you. Like it's just, it's yeah, good like for that, you. That's not enough you for just, people. You know, you just, you need, yeah. to, you need to do it. Cause they could say, well, you know what? I mean, going on a walk is good for me. And I'd rather go for a walk than, than go for a resistance training. So, cause I think that, you know, the, the benefits of, of a regular resistance training program, you're not really going to see them and realize them until, until years, years down the road, until right, right. you've been doing it and you have the ability to do things that other people your age don't. That's the reality so that's just true. that's right. just like, the reality right you know it's like you're, you so you we're all just kind of putzing through life and then you get to a point where you're like well i've got other buddies that are 46 years old and they can't they can't they don't do some of the things you know that i do and i'm certainly not the most fit individual but i'm definitely more you know 
that separation is probably going to get even even greater over the next 10 yeah, years. Yeah, you kind of separate yourself from the pack, right? Like like today, my husband and I were in the gym. There was a dude, a 70-year-old, just banging out dips mm -hmm. with like jacked arms. And my husband was like, how old are you? <laughs> just yeah. 70. You know, my husband comes running. He's like, Kendra, you got to look at that guy. He's said, that's what I want. I tend to think everybody, I have seen people who don't care about weights or having big muscles and they send me a message of themselves doing a push-up. Like, I think inside everyone is a certain desire to kind of be physical and be strong. That's my yeah. theory. Well, and once they get there, they're pretty freaking proud of themselves. So I, I, see, <laughs> their I, pride. <laughs> I, I, I really like where you're going there with that, because now if we compare resistance training versus running or aerobic exercise, I shouldn't say running like aerobic exercise, aerobic style exercise. Elliptical. Like for me, yeah. Perfect. Perfect. For me to go back to your question. Now I feel like there's going in for a weight session is very much embodies what we have to go through in aspects of our lives every day. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you, you have a decision to make, you're either going to do it or you're not. And putting yourself in a situation where you mentally get yourself trained to, I'm going to do this. I can do this. I'm going to get it. I finished it. I got it. That type of stuff carries over to other aspects of your life. Then the small victories, when you turn, you know, send, when you talk about people sending you a picture of them doing a push up or celebrating, you know, a, a new movement or a new amount of weight, those are all things that you get from resistance training. But I don't, I'm sorry, but like, you know, going from 45 minutes to 48 minutes on elliptical, to me, it feels different. And I think to a lot of other, and maybe not, but, you know, but I think that, you know, that that's one of the things that I've always liked about resistance training is it's all, it's a series of short-term efforts and you either make up your mind, you're going to do it or you don't. I, I, I certainly kind of speak. You know, speak to the different health benefits a lot of times, and I understand it's a it's a hollow narrative for you know, and I think you know like a number of people. But I just you know like I think I mentioned this before, like my mom and dad are, are opposite ends of the spectrum. Mm. My dad, I can't you know I've tried I've talked to him about different types of exercise, and it's just what he does, what he wants to do. He doesn't really want to be talked about. But my mom is a different animal. Like she wants to lift weights. She wants to know what to do. Yeah. She's, she's always wanting to do different types of things. And, you know, it's like, I don't know, I can't, I can't really explain it. So I think there are some, some elements, you know, but there's times that even like with my dad now, my dad's 78 and there's still times that I, when I, when I watch him struggle to move around and do some of the different things that I do, I can't help but think to myself, God dang it, if he would just, he's got, and he's got a set of weights right downstairs in his basement yeah. because, his, because his wife uses it three times a week, right? you know, it's like in three months, four months, like that could be easier. Like that you could, could be, right. you could do this. You could, right. I'm not saying you'd be the greatest at it, but it'd be easier than it was today. Right. So that, that stuff is, is tough. So even with my own dad, I'm not going to sit here on this call and make it sound like my words just create uniformity and action because they don't, they don't, but I, you know, the, the, the resistance piece is important. It's important for health, but with this context of trying to prioritize fat loss, there's a number of scientific studies that suggest that a very basic, suitable Resistance training stimulus is a critical part of maximizing fat loss. I mean, that that's it in a nutshell. And I, I, I would say too, if you're in my group, watch the guide on that we did on eating for performance versus eating for like kind of transformation and nutrition for those types of things. And it, this reminds me of the same thing. Like if you notice what we didn't say when the goal is fat loss is to go register for a marathon. Okay. That that's while that is a great goal. And I have a bunch of people here running Chicago 
Chicago that are like torn, right? They want to continue with a fat loss phase, but now they have a performance goal. So we need to just focus on that because the key component of fat loss is, is one of them is a caloric deficit, which is in conflict with a goal to run a marathon. So like we, number one takeaway here is fat loss. One of the pillars is resistance training and we'll get into protocols too in another call. So let's talk about protein. Yeah. So the final piece then is going to be, you know, of the calories that we are consuming, how do I word this? Uh, an increased percentage of those calories, an increased or amount of those calories needs to be coming from protein. You know, so said another way of the food you are consuming, a much greater proportion of that food needs to be coming from protein sources. And the reason for that is Oh man, there's a couple of, couple of, I think, ways in which I try to go about explaining it. And I think I, for me, it always goes back to, if we talk about, so carbohydrates, fats, and proteins are, are three nutrients that our body uses to make energy and we need energy for our body to run. Um, so that's why those nutrients are always going to be important. Fats and carbohydrates, our body stores them. Like we've got, we have storage depots of fat and carbohydrate, but we don't have storage depots of protein. We have a, we have a daily, our body, every single person's body, irrespective of your age, how active you are, how fit you are, how unfit you are. It does not matter. Every person's body turns over, utilizes, needs 80 to 110 grams of protein a day, ballpark, everybody. We're just kind of, you know, so what happens now? So there's just this daily need. So we have to, I try to tell my students, imagine the body's just saying, gimme, 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 gimme. All right. Well, if we pivot into a scenario where we are going to significantly reduce how many calories are coming in, if we don't make a purposeful effort to making sure that the calories that we're consuming from protein is maintained, then what happens is that we fall below or we fall into the low end of that 80 to 110 grams, 120 grams, that lower end of what our body needs. And now the body is in a quote, is in a scenario where, well, it still needs the protein. It still needs the amino acids just because you didn't give it to your body in the diet. Doesn't mean that the body just says, oh, okay, I'll wait till tomorrow. That's not how it works. It doesn't have storage depots. It needs it. So it's going to take it and, it and it's going to take it from our muscle tissue because that's the largest source of amino acids in our body. So that's the most, that's the single best way that I know how to explain the importance of making sure that the proportion of protein in your diet goes up. Because as your calories comes down, it's not so, you know, that minimally you have to make sure that you're getting enough protein. And then there's been other studies that said that if we have actually have additional amounts in this, in this, in this energy deficit state, that it's, that it's quite favorable to help leverage as much weight loss as fat as possible. But that's really the importance of, of eating, of eating more and more protein. Okay. So just to summarize that too, is we could say carbohydrates and fats eaten in excess are what store themselves as excess body fat, while protein functions very different than the other two macros. It's a, it's a, it's a tissue repair macronutrient and the others are energy. So getting the ratios right for somebody, especially in a fat loss phase is going to be really critical to maintain that lean mass. So that's interesting the way you put it that way. I never thought about it on a day-to-day -day basis like that necessarily. And I, I mean, that's just how I like people to think about it yeah, because sure. like, like the body, the, the body doesn't take a day off. 
Right. It's not like some concept, like it's actually happening. It's, you know, so, so you you have to provide it. Right. The body's, you know, the, I mean, the body's functions are still, it's still going to repair and rebuild and, and, and turn over all of those, the cells and the proteins in those cells that, you know, that's needed. So that's really where, you know, the, the, um, the added amounts of protein really become important. So that's interesting. Can along those lines. So like, I'll have a, a client who will be, uh, sort of trying to get in more protein and maybe just for like several days in a row, they get 50 grams, right. As they try to build the habit, but really right. the protocol is like 130 and you know, so I'm always having that conversation. Let's hit protein as much as possible. Let's hit protein every day. That should be a priority, right? You're eating anyway. You're already tracking your food. Let's just like go from halfway effort to all way effort. Like it's not that Mm -hmm. much more. What is the risk of kind of bouncing around like that with calories and protein intake when your goal is fat loss and building muscle? Yeah. And I don't, so I'm trying to think of just to be fair, if there's a risk in terms of hitting your goal, not hitting your goal. And I think just outside of, I mean, there's, there's, there's really nothing in the, in the, in the scientific literature that, that has indicated that that is, is overly harmful or, you know, other than the fact that if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're drastically under where you need to be and you're not able to get there, then that's, that's kind of a whole nother problem. But if you're trying to shoot towards a certain, like a, a targeted protein goal. And, you know, some days you do good and you hit there and some days you don't, um, but, you know, I, I think just outside of, of really just not being consistent and then that creating a pattern yeah, that's to where, right, right, right. you know, yeah. you're to where you're, you're not, you're not as tightly on your path of achieving your ultimate goal as what you could be. So now the realization of those goals is then going, is going to be delayed. Um, you know, so then that, that could become emotional just in the sense that you're like, oh, you're whatever, you're four months in and you expect it to be down 10 pounds, but you're only down four pounds and, you know, and, and, and yeah, and right. And you, and, and the work to get in your 50 carbs felt as hard as, or 50 carb protein felt as hard as 130. Like it's that, that's, that is a concept I talk about as a behavior coach often is just, you know, like always trying to do like, you know, kind of uh, communicate analogies that are, can kind of snap you out of that old thinking pattern where like, uh, you know, you just get, you're kind of doing the same thing you've always done, but because you're thinking about it more, which takes energy, you feel like you're doing better than you are, you know, cause you're thinking mm-hmm. about it all the time, but you're right. not executing. So I just, I, I gotta tell you when I, my most successful clients are the ones who just, uh, fire on those cylinders in terms of, you know, all of the macros and caloric intake. It just, it's just the way it is. Like I see it way too much to say, you know what? Cause I think a lot of people just want to say, isn't a caloric deficit enough? Like, can I just eat 1200 calories? And there's a lot out there on social media, TikTok, that says calorie is a calorie. It doesn't matter. And I'm not seeing that. And I'm not seeing that in studies either. Yeah. Squash that here. Well, and I, but I think, so how I would respond to somebody that says, you know, what, you know, why isn't caloric restriction enough or isn't it enough or just, you know, basically whatever you just said. And I would, and I, I could, I could deadpan the response and just say, well, it is enough. 
it is enough if, if okay. right if, is you know yeah. if all you want to do is just lose body weight and if right. you want to lose body weight and ultimately you know lose a whole bunch of muscle and get fat skinny and and not have good you know not have good function and not put yourself on a path for a better tomorrow then 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 keep at it that we're great. right back where we started here which is the problem with right. just like yeah you want to lose weight you know i worked at a clinic i don't know if i told you this but a woman wanted me to uh, teach a course on behavior and her process was she was a, a nurse practitioner and all of the people were on 500 calories a day for 12 weeks and she gave them like this drop her drop that she had you know come up with some like appetite suppressant drop which she was selling them and my job was to teach them about behavior um and it was literally impossible to teach them. So I thought, well, I'll take the money. She paid me well. And that's when I realized, like, I just would never, like, it's not about the money here. It's about, like, I, I still can't understand how she can use that method as a nurse practitioner thinking that that is, so basically her people were gaining the weight back and she wanted me to come and coach them on behavior. And I was like, well, the first thing I would do is stop doing this frigging diet. That would be like my actual answer. So I lasted like three sessions. And then I was like, I don't think this is a good fit. Yeah. Um, Cause I could like, how could I possibly coach on behavior when the problem was in the method of, right. and these, and, and by the way, she had some people that only had like 20 pounds to lose. It, it wasn't, I mean, so it was really interesting, you know? Um, That's an idea where you never told me that. Yeah. So yeah, um, so let's say caloric deficit to your point. Sure, these people lost weight, but I can't even tell you what they were going through. Right. You know? Yeah, you know, so that's where, um, you know, th 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 I, I, I oftentimes like to focus the conversation on, on the overall quality of the weight loss. Because I, I just generally, and what I mean by that is, you know, like you should, we should be losing high amounts of fat and low amounts of muscle. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't like to draw a line to say like, you know, you have to maintain your muscle or gain muscle because that, that, that makes it even harder to do. But, but I do think that, that people through, you know, making sure they're getting a protein, making sure that they're, that they're, you know, that they're getting regular resistance training, um, that that can help leverage as much of the weight loss to be fat as possible. And that's ultimately what, what people, people want to achieve. Um, what, is it, what is a good fat loss range from your perspective? Yeah. In terms of what metric? Let's say I always talk about in terms of like, from a scale perspective, 0.5 to like two pounds a week, depending on your body weight. But like, right. if I see somebody losing three, three and a half, I'm, I'm starting to get a little concerned, especially as the, if they're leaner um, and they're expressing, I've, I always say like, I let the results kind of drive my decision for a client. Like I don't, I can't tell you, I couldn't line up this year for you and tell you what we're going to do. I kind of right. need to see how you're responding. And if you're fatigued, if you're low energy workouts are suffering, you're losing three pounds. I, I don't have a DEXA scan, you know, but those are indicators um right i always say slow and steady wins the race but what do you yep. think a good range is for somebody no, right so i think there's been some nice there's some some very nice studies that have compared rates of weight loss 
uh, and, and what and what happens like the you know as a result of there's been some studies done in some athletes and some other populations and and the majority of that literature really suggests that even if we go at, at a half a percent of body mass yep. so 0.5% of body mass or 1% of body mass as a range and 1% being fast or aggressive and 0.5 being kind of moderate um, that even within that that aspect um, you know the the amount of of uh, of negative changes that occurs in terms of performance ability or hormonal changes um, it is that it, they that they've shown differences and where the slower rate of weight loss um, actually leads to a better quality of weight loss and then kind of a better maintenance of, of ability to, to exercise and perform you know so I think if I were to probably you know not, not be pushed into a corner corner in terms of how quickly something might occur I would probably start with like point you know basically like a half a percent of body mass per week so that somebody you know that's you know 150 pounds they're you know they're they're at I mean about a pound a week okay yeah we're you know, in so there right yeah, we are we yeah. are so so you know yeah. and I and I I, I, I like to use the percentages because now, yeah. now we can, if we've got somebody who weighs 250 pounds, we can kind of provide a target. If somebody has 100, 120 pounds, we can provide them with a target too. And obviously they need, those people need to understand that, you know, if they're sitting at the same table, you know, like you can't, you know, well, wait a minute, you said to this person here, like that they could lose, you know, two, two and a half pounds per week. And you're like, well, yeah, but they weigh 270 pounds. Why are you only telling me that I should be shooting for half a pound or three quarters of a pound a week? And like, well, it's because you only weigh whatever, you only weigh 150 you know, or, or whatever. Right. So obviously height and frame size, and there's, there's always, it depends. There's always those factors. Always it depends. So what always... are your thoughts then on, um, so I did obviously did a DEXA scan with you. I have a lot of people who do in body, which mm -hmm. I have done. And I think like DEXA scan with you, I was at 19%. I did in body. I was at like 11. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, so when you do the in body, you got to be careful that you does it matter? I don't know. Not really, unless you're trying to get to a healthy BMI. But when someone's goal is to lose body fat, there is a concept and theory out there about not eating below your uh, RMR, your resting metabolic rate, and that eating below that would be the indicator that you are definitely eating into lean tissue. And there are so many trackers out there, you know, as you know, which is hard as a coach, but luckily, like I have great people who ask about that. Like, what are your thoughts? And then I have some people who get super frustrated. Like Apple watch says I burned a million calories and I'm eating this. Why isn't it like they're trying to do the math, right? Like, could people say that? Can I say, Hey, if my, if my RMR is this, I should definitely not be on 1200 calories because I could say for sure I'm eating into muscle tissue at that point. Yeah, I, I would say, so I can, I can share this, that the, a, a very standard approach to starting a calorie prescription for somebody within obesity research, within the scientific realm is to yeah. take, to take somebody's metabolic rate and, and multiply it by like 1.4. So it's basically, you know, and then, so that, so that 1.4, you know, is, is basically saying that that individual is going to burn like an additional 40% of their resting metabolic rate. That 0.4 would be 40% of their metabolic rate, but then you subtract that, then you go, so it's RMR times 1.4 minus 500 calories a day. 
Okay, so my RMR with you was like right. 14, let's just say 1400. It was somewhere around yeah. there. Mm -hmm. So times 1.4 would be 1960. Okay, so so we could say, uh, and that's right. I got to tell you, like, to, for me to maintain, I'm around, around 2000 calories, mm -hmm. like roughly, give or take. The first thing I'm going to do in a cut is go down to like 1600, see how I feel, adjust right. to that right? Like this is important because the margin of error between my maintenance and my initial first phase of fat loss is like a handful of almonds. This is what we've talked about, right? Like this is why the process of being in a deficit and starting to lose body fat is hard because it's not that difficult to overeat. And when you go into an app and any app diet coach is going to give you 1200 calories, you're probably pretty damn sure in a calorie deficit. Like that's, mm -hmm. a, I, I could give that to anybody. And to our point today, you will lose weight, but you will lose all of the other goodness that goes along with a healthy, strong physique, which is ultimately what we should be focusing on and thinking about. Um, am I frozen or you? Uh-oh, probably me. can't hear you i know i'm like am i frozen or are you there's a big yeah, pop I don't, there. okay there it was i don't know so, yeah. um i don't know where i lost you there or you lost me yeah you were talking about your your rmr results and then um did you kind of start a weight loss program you know that that you just uh you kind of have to basically kind of stair step your way into that or progressively way you're in that you said, you know, you basically like, you know, the initial phase might just be you know, like a certain couple of almonds or just what, you know, and I think calories, right. right? Yeah. You know, Always maintaining so, protein. Yeah. And I, I so I, I, I mean, I think, you know, what would, what I would, you know, and that, so that approach that I've used there is, is kind of definitely kind of more on, you know, like some more on like the science, just what what's been used within the scientific literature doesn't mean that it's right doesn't mean that it's better it's just more of that's just how you got to start somewhere have, right have you got to start somewhere you know because i think right honestly for the, for the listeners here i mean everybody could go to you know any website that that if you go to google and type in rmr calculator and type in your age height and weight and you can get your arm an estimated rmr value now you need to do that knowing that there's probably going to be a 200 300 calorie per day error with that prediction, but none, nonetheless, it's a starting point, you know, and then what I, all I'm suggesting is you take that, take that number and multiply it by 1.3, 1.35, 1 1.4, you know, that it all kind of give you a little bit of a different range. 1.4 would be a little bit more, more of a, of a, of a, of a liberal estimate, a little bit more of a, of an easy estimate. And then you would subtract you know, the, the literature a lot of times would say 500. 500, yeah. Um, but I think what I've learned with talking and working with people like yourself and other coaches is I would probably start off with subtracting 300. I agree. And and just get people going in that direction. It's, it's, it's not as deep of a cut because I think the reality, and you know this as well as I do, that just starting the process of getting a prescription and having a calorie target, if people start getting more locked into and they start tracking, it may be hard to just 
just to hit to hit any mark uh, in terms of their metabolic rate times a certain amount to hell with subtracting it because like they, they all the hidden calories right like you know like once they truly track and they see they're like oh my god i had no idea that i that i was consuming this many calories you know so then they figure out where they need to cut where they so i think a lot of times you know you can there's hidden calories in every person's day and they have to work to find them and then as you yeah. start to find them and you figure out ways how to pull them out and you actually get to the point where now you're truly in a deficit now the needle's going to start moving a little bit more because it just takes some time to figure out where you're getting all your calories from because you know i know you and i've talked about you know like unreported binges or unreported yeah you know, no, known mean, and unknown yeah it's just right, you know it's right. never really sometimes it's purposeful but many times it's not yeah you know like they just i call you know i I, I, I refer to that as basically innocent ignorance. They're completely yeah. ignorant to how many calories they're consuming, but it's innocent. They really don't know. They're like, I had no idea that, that my, my bowl of chips and guacamole was, was 600 calories. You know, I, I had no idea. So to, to summarize here too, to, to get your RMR or you'll, you'll hear basal metabolic rate, resting metabolic rate that, that can, you can like get that online. You're going to multiply that by 1.4, which is typically your maintenance calorie. This is how the app functions also, which is, which is good news. If somebody wants to maintain, um, and that's the other plate, like I obviously step in there, right? Because then, then if we want to move into a cut, you would subtract 500. However, the, when you're, when you're working on changing body composition, in my experience, this is where it's different for every person. Like you were saying, it, it's like some people have the appetite to get right into that. And if I've worked with somebody before and I know they know how to adhere and we're good and they understand there's going to be this discomfort period, that's fine. But if somebody's new to your point, sometimes for people just cleaning up their diet, they just, the, the body fat just starts to shed because you've, you know, you may lose three pounds, four pounds, five pounds. It won't happen. That, that same path won't, you know, maintain, but just cleaning up the diet is, is huge for people. So you don't necessarily want to go drastically into a cut that isn't sustainable and go right back into the same habit that you've been in, which is a cycle, right? Because 1200 is actually really low and incredibly difficult to maintain. Would you, have you ever tried to go to 1200? Uh, no, because oh. I like to eat too much. Yeah, it's, 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 um, it's, and it's a standard and it's, it's not that it's wrong. Like I have some people who are 411, five feet and sorry, uh, but they are that low. So you can't just say, oh, 1200 calories is for a toddler. I hear that a lot. It's like, actually for some people that is their closer to their BMR and right. that's just the way it is. So, um, there's some gray area here, but I like the idea of, and you all, the other way, you know, your maintenance from a behavior perspective. And when you do weekly check-ins, if your weight is sort of stable, well, there's your, uh, you know, there is your maintenance. And I'd say what I see most people at my, my age, um, Dr. Chad is like, they're maintaining some of them between it's a wide range between 1500 some and, you know, uh, 1800. I don't see a huge up into the two thousands to maintain unless somebody is particularly tall 
or they are like that high energy. Like I've said this before, I have like a 60 year old who maintains at like 2,700 calories with 300 carbs. That's rare. That's like a, mm -hmm. that's a genetic thing. <laughs> so Mm -hmm. it's, we cannot eat as much as we think to maintain our weight, especially as we age, but this is where muscle activity and all of that is going to, is going to be important. And you might not care about eating that much, but the more you maintain this lifestyle, like you will. Right. <laughs> you know? For sure. Okay. So how would you kind of, what would you want people to walk away with today. We've talked about resistance training. That's a key component. We've talked about caloric intake. That's a key component. And we've talked about protein and we know protein intake is 0.5 to 1.2 grams per pound of your kind of ideal body weight. Would you say 1.5 to 2 grams per pound? Point, 0.8 to okay. 1.2 okay. grams per pound. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I, I always say just shoot, shoot for, shoot for one gram per pound. And if, and if yeah, you're okay. close, if you're close, right. you're close. Right. Um, really no need to, to try to consistently go over it. Um, if you do, you do, I, we would have okay. more concerns about that right. from a competitive athlete, but right. yeah, I, honestly, I mean, for me, like until more literature starts to appear, like th those are my, those are my talking points. I would okay. say the only, you have those three pillars. And then I would say, be patient, run the play, yeah. be patient be patient, be patient, be patient. Because if you get impatient and start cutting calories, you start thinking about the numbers and cutting calories more, that makes it harder and harder and harder to maintain good quality weight loss. Yeah. Uh, you'll lose more weight. You will lose more weight. Um, but the quality of the weight loss goes down. Right. And then, and that, that puts the body, puts the mind into a scenario that could be problematic in the future. Well, you'll lose more weight for now. But that's right. the pro like we need to be thinking about like sustainability, lifelong habits. So right, absolutely. Okay, yeah. well, um, thank you. People can find you on social media. You're yeah, they can. They can find me. Yeah, <laughs> they, can. they can find me. Um, <laughs> no, I, I'm certainly happy to to message uh, and everything else. I'm I just my academic posts and things like that. I I don't. I'm not as prolific as you are. So, uh, well, but yeah. Um, just my first and last name, Chad Kirksick, uh, C-H-A-D-K-E-R-K-S-I-C-K. -E so yeah. All right. We'll get that. that. We'll get that in the um, notes too. Um, and if you do happen to see everything, so I, the lab that I run here at Lindenwood, um, uh, we call the, um, uh, the EPNL and we've actually worked to try to push out more social content and nutrition content and things along those lines. I've got some students that are working on that. Um, oh, so awesome. if you see those kind of things or you would want to follow that group or, or, uh, or uh, share any posts from that group, that would be yeah. appreciated too. What is that group? Yeah. So again, the, 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 the name of my, the, the name of my university is Lindenwood. So that's L I N B E N W O O D. Yeah. And then the, my lab acronym, uh, is the, the E P N L. So it's at Lindenwood E P N L, um, is the, the, the Instagram, and then we've got a student, we're going to try to start doing a little bit more of that and getting some videos yeah, going and different things. So great. We'll get that, the, get that too. Yeah. In the yeah. That'd be interesting, right. To put, have people just to be able to have a great resource for studies and, you know, a place to kind of come back to, for people to get grounded, who start to kind of start thinking like maybe, you know, uh, this next shiny object is going to be the way, you know? Right. Well, and I think in general, I always try to, the, you know, we, we work really hard in the, in the lab to, 
to um, try to provide some of the scientific information that we do. And I, that's just, you know, the reality is, is, you know, social media is, is just another way of conveying information. And, and there's days that I actually get really down on myself because I, you know, I, I, if I have one gift, I have, I have a really pretty strong passion to, 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 to want to educate and get the information out there. That's why we do the research. Um, but, and then if we're not taking full advantage of social, then we're not really doing that part of it as good as what we can, but um, time disappears. So that's why I just, I've started, we, we, we're trying to do some more social media interns and, and, um, and just letting some of the students post some things. So yeah, perfect, perfect project for them too, mm -hmm. because it, it is a true art to be able to articulate these things in a, you know, one minute and get right. the attention and write about it in a way that's responsible and not, you know, too clickbaity. So yeah, um, for sure. Even though I'm going to try to do some clickbait title for this talk, you know, mm -hmm. well, good luck. So I'll find some good. quote you said and pull it out of context. There it is. That's right. Pull it way out of context <laughs> and make it sound like we're some extreme, yeah, like the, right, ex, right. extreme weight loss. Right. So how to lose another, 30 pounds in 30 days. And then it, uh, the, the content will be the opposite. So, right. Everybody's like, just what we need another guru. Yeah. Another oh, guru right. Yeah. So, well, yeah. thank you. I know um, people have questions too. So I'll get to those and uh, those can, you know, we can use those as uh, part of the next um, episode too, but thank you guys for tuning in. And thank right. you for your time. I, I just, I know everyone feels so lucky to have you early access to, so. Um, You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. See you later. Take care. Goodbye.